Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On the heels of NBA Finals Game 3 tonight, which star will top Nick's Finals MVP ladder? We will let you know. We'll break it out. we got to talk some Cam Newton. At the same time, does he still have what it takes to be an NFL starter? He certainly thinks so. We'll share his latest comments. And oh boy, sure sounds like the Brooklyn Nets are going to bring back Kyrie Irving. Welcome to a great Wednesday show, everyone. Jen Wolf, Nick Wright, Chris Broussard, Kevin Wilde. Let's go. Broussard, your beloved Nets. How do you feel about that, getting your guy back? Everything's coming up roses for you, Chris Broussard. Nick's worst nightmare, Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons together? Yeah. Oh, my. It's on and popping in Brooklyn, baby. (laughs) 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 Yeah. All right, well, you know where we got to start. We start this morning north of there in Boston. Game three of the NBA Finals. Warriors-Celtics all tied at a game apiece. Did you know 39 times in Finals history, teams have split games one and two. When they do, the winner of game three wins the whole series 82% of the time. 82. Let me nutshell that for you. History says whoever wins tonight most likely wins it all a lot on the line nick i'll start with you which team would you say needs tonight's game more warriors or celtics i i think golden state needs it more but also and i hate to do this off the top of the show but jenna you just used a stat drew loves these stats the winner of game five wins 80 percent of the time the winner of game one wins 78 percent of the time folks as an amateur really professional statistician let me explain something to you real quick Every individual game, the winner of that game wins the series at least 75% of the time because they won a game. And in fact, game sevens, it's 100%. And game sixes, it's around 90%, just so everybody knows. These are why the the whole, oh, when you win this game, yeah, it is good to win games in a best of seven series. Yes, game three is important. Guess what will be more important? Game five, game four, and then game five. The Warriors need it more, however, and here's why, Brew. Fair. The Warriors are not used to finals adversity. When they have faced it, it's been rare. It hasn't gone well for them. That's first of all. Their championships, they have, I don't want to say coasted to them, but the the last two, they obviously faced no adversity throughout. And the first one, they faced minimal, they faced some adversity early on, but they were so overwhelmingly talented when you had a Cavs team that was starting Mozgov and Delhi alongside LeBron James. I think they figured out in game four they had firm control of the series. Additionally, 
the Warriors in game threes, they're 0-3 when Kevin Durant's not there. And Kevin Durant in those game threes that he won with them averaged 36 points per game. And I don't think the Warriors right now, and you as you know, someone who picked the Warriors and stuck with that pick, unlike me, do you know who their closing five is or their best five is? Because I don't. Watching this series, I don't know who they want to close games with. I don't know who their best five is. And so I think the Warriors, again, it's a now best of five, and the Celtics have home court. I think the Celtics can seize firm control of the series with a win tonight. So I think the Warriors need this game more. Well, look, I I think it's the Celtics, and and I think clearly it's the Celtics. And first of all, because if they lose tonight, the Celtics' latest fan, Nick Wright, will certainly flip-flop and leave them standing at the altar and come back over with me to Golden State. There's no question about it. So that's number one. All right, number two, look. Why, as you pointed out with the statistics about who wins game three, who wins game four, that team's likely to win the series. Um, this game is obviously wildly important for both teams. And whoever loses tonight, most of the NBA world or observers are going to be like, oh, they're in trouble. They're, it's over. They're going to lose. So that's just how things go in series like this. But I'm going to say it's the Celtics, Nick, because – Right now, Golden State has all the momentum. All right, they're coming off not only a win, but a blowout win. Their best player is playing well, and Boston's best player is not. And Jason Tatum not having the bounce-back game that we all expected. I know he had the 28 points, and he was pretty good. He was better than Wilds thought, but he didn't have the type of great game that he's typically had after a poor game in these playoffs, and if he comes out again and doesn't play well or does play well and they still lose, I think mentally that could mess with the young team in the finals for the first time. And Wiles also, Boston is not not great at home, okay? They're five and four at home, eight and three on the road in the playoffs, three and four at home in the last two series. So if they come home with home court advantage, which is supposed to be good, and lose right away, now, again, I think it's another mental hurdle that they have to climb. And and then that gives Golden State, which is better at home than on the road, the home court advantage going forward. So I, I think it's important, obviously, for both teams, but I'd say more important for the Celtics. I think you're exactly right especially when you said Wilds doesn't think Tatum played that well. You were extra right on that part. Celtics need this game desperately. They will win this game probably by a big margin. After losses in the playoffs, their margin of victory is 15 and a half points. So I've got them winning by 15. I know it sounds ridiculous. Hey, it's, it's the numbers. What do you want me to do? They win games by 15. The other thing is this team just does not lose back-to-back games period. They haven't lost a back-to-back since March 30th. Before that, it was like mid-January when Dennis Schroeder was on the team. So the team does not lose back-to-backs, usually come out with a big win. Specifically about Tatum, he needs to have a monster, playoff-defining, legacy-defining game, Broussard. And I know everyone thinks I'm being too hard on Tatum. He did have 28 points while it's like, okay, 
It was a quiet 28. We're in the NBA Finals. You're at home. You have a chance to grab Finals MVP and follow in the, the torch-passing legacy from Larry Bird to Paul Pierce to you. You're the face of the Celtics. Own the series. It's your time. And, Nick, people are like, well, he's impacting the game in other ways. Like, really? What? The, the zero blocks? The two steals total? The, the, the 11... Uh, the 11 rebounds, that's not assist. It's not doing it for me. It's, it's oh, okay, my yeah, God, the assist. This is crazy. Stop. So Stop with the assist. That is crazy. That's like, I, I can't hear anything about more about these, tor- nice these bailout assists. Okay, it's ridiculous. Wild. He was Wilds, they're not all bailout assists, first of all. Second of all, yeah, I know they as far all. as finals MVP, the last seven Celtics championships, the best player on the Celtics has only one finals MVP, three of them. I know, but the last three. Cedric Maxwell won one. No, JoJo White won one. Paul Pierce won one, who was not their best player. And Jerry West won one, who didn't even play for the Celtics. And he won finals MVP when they won the title. There's an odd Celtics history of their best player not necessarily winning finals MVP. Larry Bird only won two of them, and then Hondo won one. When you could argue Dave Cowan should have won it. But set that aside. Nobody cares about that. Here's what I will say. The idea that Jason Tatum has not had a legacy-defining moment in these playoffs, a legacy-defining playoff games, is flatly untrue. Facing elimination against the best player in the world, the defending champions, on the road, he had 46 points and and kept their season alive without that performance. Okay, well then, can I just go back to Wilds quickly, Brew? I apologize. Wilds. Do you think Jason Tatum yeah. is the best player in the league? Yes or no? No. No. Do you think he's one of the three best players in the league? Yes or no? No. Okay, well, then you're asking too much. If, if, unless you think oh my. he is, if you are demanding that he come out tonight and, Brew, tell me, do you agree, having covered this league since that, I think your first game was that, Game seven, uh, Celtics-Lakers in 1969. But since from that moment to now, like, do you think, I think he is asking, I think he is asking a great player to play like he is one of the greatest players ever, night in, night out. That's not realistic. Well, look. Uh, first of all, for the record, I was one years old when Jerry West won his finals MVP. <laughs> so stop it, all right? Stop it, oh, all right? But what we, Nick, I told Got you what was time. happening. I told you what was happening. I, I don't know if it was yesterday or, or late last week. I told you what's happening. Wilds is panicking. Wilds is so close. He's he this close to the mountaintop. He thinks 100%. he's about to get a pick right finally, and he's putting all the pressure on Jason Tatum. So, I look, I think there's a happy medium between both of you. Nick, I don't think Tatum has been quite as good as you think. I do think he needs a big game for his own psyche and for the psyche of his teammates. He is their best player. They're looking for him to come out and have a strong performance. This is the perfect time to do it. So, I, I think he does need it to Wild's point, but... Wilds, he look, you're you are Nick's right. Larry Bird, I told you, two eight-point games in his first finals appearance. Just... This happens to the best yeah. of them. We saw LeBron struggle in Miami. It happens, what, and Wilds? it could happen to, to Jason Tatum. Doesn't mean he's not a great player. 
Okay, I understand. Jenna, this is my last point. I just have to get out. I, I apologize. Okay, it won't be. Jason okay. Tatum has, has shot well from threes in game two, so now it's like his whole three-point percentage looks great. He has made four shots inside the arc and missed 20. If you are a first-team All-NBA in the finals, that is unacceptable. He has to That's play fair. well. And if I'm guilty That's of holding a superstar up to superstar standards, guilty as charged. I want him to play great. Except this happened. Check Chris Paul. You got to be better NBA than four finals. for 20. That's fair. After being All-NBA. Check Devin Booker in the Western Conference Finals this year after being first-team All-NBA. You're not holding him to first-team All-NBA standard. You're holding him to Giannis, KD, LeBron standards. He's not that. And to be like, well, he shot well from three in one of the games. There's only been two. There's only been two games, well, buddy. It's a high <laughs> bar. Of the games. Okay. It is. It's a high bar for Jason Tatum. He's we'll see tonight. Heat, game three. I told you. From Boston. We got to move on. Talk some Kyrie now. The Nets have major plans for their star point guard. We'll share them with you next. First things first. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On Sunday, get ready for a USFL doubleheader, starting with Bandits Breakers at 4 Eastern on Fox. Then flip over to FS1 for Stars Maulers. That's 7.30. USFL football, Sunday on Fox and FS1. Moving on now. Oh, look who that is, Kyrie Irving. His future with the Nets has been up in the air with his decision to opt out of his contract looming. But according to the New York Post, it seems he is staying put in Brooklyn. Brian Lewis writing, Irving has until June 29th to decide whether he'll opt out of the final $36.5 million year of his contract for 2022-23 and become a free agent. But both Nets and league sources told the Post an extension is more likely we wondered how he was planning on handle that. The issue with Kyrie, he's only played in half of the Nets' regular season games since arriving on that max deal back in 2019. Roussard, how should Nets fans feel about all of this? Good, good. Look, for, for I have never for one moment doubted that Kyrie Irving would be back with the Nets next season. The question was just, is he back on a one-year deal or is he back on a max extension or some type of extension? You if I'm a Nets fan, I am dying to have Kyrie Irving back on the team next season. With Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, uh, Ben Simmons, throw in Seth Curry and some of the other players, that is a team, for all the issues that they may have, that's a team that can compete for the Eastern Conference Championship. 
There's no doubt about it. Now, the problem is, or the issue, is an, an extension for Kyrie. Like, I want to see Kyrie, Nick, on a one-year deal. Show me you're all in. Show me you can play the majority of the, se- of the season. And, and that, you know, see what type of team we can be with you playing games. The extension, I obviously would not want to give him a long-term max extension. But the article presented all types of options. So it presented options like, say you give him a three-year extension with incentives. That's incentive-laden. So if he plays 60 games, you know, for the first two seasons, the third year he gets the max. So it could be a max extension potentially, but he's got to play a certain number of games. You know, not obviously he could get injured, and that that's a different thing. But based on games played, uh, I think an, an incentive-laden extension, I'm okay with that. As long as it has clauses that say he has to play a certain number of games for him to get these, you know, the, the max money well, or what, whatever it is. So I, I'm fine with him being back. As long, I, I don't want to give him a max with no conditions but I'm fine if there's incentives based. If it's incentives, but those conditions would be minimal financial repercussions. Yes, they can put you know likely and unlikely to be earned incentives based on games played, benchmarks. I don't think they can differentiate whether it's due to injury or due to unpaid leave or due to uh, insurrection at the Capitol or due to the phase of the moon. I think it's just whether you played or you didn't. Uh, but whatever it is, that would be percentages of the contract, not the bulk of it. And the idea that Kyrie Irving is not, I think it's insane to think, and with respect to the writer of the article, that Kyrie's going to opt in. I know Brew has said that's what he would want. If he were the Nets, that's what he would want right, them to do. Right. But in a world where De'Aaron Fox and Tobias Harris and Kristaps Porzingis all make between 30 and $35 million a year, the idea that Kyrie Irving is not going to opt out and say, yeah, I'll take at least three years at at least $35 million per. I think it's crazy. I would be shocked if he doesn't do that. And so I think the Nets are going to be in a rough spot because they can't afford to let him walk for nothing. There's no great trade options out there because teams know Kyrie wants to be in Brooklyn. And he has the leverage of, are you going to squander another, you know, the waning years of Kevin Durant's prime. I am, though, Wilds, quickly excited for next season because, oh, man, the Clippers getting Kawhi back healthy, the Nets, we always know what's the best year for the Nets next year. It's always next year. It's going to be Christmas (laughs) in October for Chris Broussard with his beloved Clippers and his beloved Nets for a moment. He's already, he already has the visions of it dancing in his head. He's like with Seth Curry. And Ben Simmons, who if you need to watch him play basketball, I have some micro fish that you can look up at your local public library from the last time you did. So, I mean, Wild Brew is excited. And I'm excited Bravo, for Nick. You mock. Bravo, Nick. You mock. That was fun. Clutch, clutch client. Everybody settle down. Clutch, clutch guy. Uh, all right. I mean, the elephant in the room is that Kyrie Irving needs to play. And Broussard, I'll, I'll give a little soliloquy, and then I'll throw it. To, I'll throw this question to you: How many games do you expect Kyrie to play next year with Ben Simmons? So I'll think, ponder that. And here's what I'm going to say: oh. Over the last three years, 
Kyrie has played 103 regular season games, about 46%, according to Dusty. Now, we tried to put that into some sort of metaphor. Just where can it go? That is, if you got a trip, if you bought a bus ticket from Barclays to L.A., and your bus driver went 46% of the way, you basically end up a little bit west of Kansas City. Yeah, you just, you're, and yeah. you're like, we're here. Wasn't that a successful yeah, bus ride? And like, no, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you, I, 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 it's not. I, we're actually pretty far away. And I know it's like, well, he was injured and, you know, the COVID thing. Other superstars who are demanding a ton of money are playing a ton of games. Book in that same span where Kyrie played 103, Booker played 205. The Joker played 219. So, like, it's just a matter of Kyrie showing up and playing. So now the question goes back to you, Bersard. How many games do you expect Ben Simmons and Kyrie to be on the floor the same time next year? How's this for an answer? Not 82. Is that work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, look, fifty-ish. Okay, sure. I hate to, I hate to even say this, but fifty-ish. I mean, being realistic, fifty-ish. Okay. Here, look, I do think Nick. Higher than I thought. The Nets are in position to play some hardball. If I was, I don't want to play. You know, I don't want to like embarrass Kyrie and upset Kyrie. He still has to play for me. So I don't think you play complete hardball. But I do think you have the leverage where you can say, look, opt in. We'll give you maybe a two-year extension with these incentives. And I actually like what you said. I'd rather it not be based on injuries or uh, mental health days or whatever. Just you got to play this many games to get this much money. Injury, whatever. I like that. And here's why I think the Nets have the leverage, Nick. What's, What's Kyrie's leverage? Unless Kevin Durant goes and demands a trade if Kyrie's not given the max, I don't think Kyrie has much leverage because you said they can't let him walk for nothing. Where is he walking to? Detroit, we know the teams, Indiana, Portland, Orlando, and the Spurs. None of them are signing him the max, right? So at the very least, it will be a sign and trade. Yeah, but at the very least, it's probably – a sign and trade. If you're talking about, because no teams are going to totally clear all their room to get Kyrie. You just said to yourself, he doesn't have much leverage because of all his eccentricities, but also because everyone knows he wants to be in Brooklyn. And if he is a question mark, as far as showing up in a place he wants to be, how much of a question mark will he be elsewhere? I, I, I'm not sure. saying teams okay. wouldn't sign him at all. But they will do the same thing the Nets can do, which is give well, you incentive-based or a short, shorter deal than the full I will tell four you, or five-year max. I will tell you, you should put your hopes and dreams that Kyrie opts into this deal and takes one year in the same bucket Wilds put Russ magically become a good free-throw shooter again and play good defense. It sounds oh fun. It has no chance of happening. Neither of those things has any chance of happening, but it's a nice idea. All right, we're putting uh, Nick to the test. Who's he got as your finals MVP? We got a ladder. Who's taking the top spot? We'll find out next person first. What, Wild? Nick's MVP ladder. Here we go. How's the race for finals MVP shaking out? Why a ladder and not a list? I asked myself this morning. A ladder? More goes into it, more nuance, more PER, more defensive rating, more hot takes. 
All right, Nick, show and tell. How's the finals MVP race look through two games? Well, Jenna, you are partially correct. The reason we do a ladder is because the gaps, the rung difference between the players is not done randomly. It's to show the separation between them. Because right now, through two games, not a lot of great candidates. Coming in number five on the MVP ladder, sweet Christ, Andrew Wiggins. Okay. Brew? Yeah! Listen. Yeah! Listen, man. You know I believe in basketball gods. If Andrew Wiggins, if the Warriors win the finals, which will then make me <laughs> flipping on them all the more painful, and they win the finals with Andrew Wiggins winning finals MVP, I'm going to have that moment the guy in the Twilight Zone episode had when he was at a casino and just kept winning every single bet he couldn't lose, and then he slowly realized, wait, I'm in hell. I'm going to realize the basketball gods have put me in basketball hell. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just letting you know that is on the board. Number four, Al Horford. Shooting a nice, tidy 63% from the field, helped greatly by the fact he did not shoot hardly at all in game two. Like I said, hard to fill out this ladder. He would, however, be the sentimental favorite. <laughs> then there's a big gap. Number three, Jalen Brown. Right now, Jalen Brown is eight to one. I told you before the finals, he was a smart bet at 10 to one. I'm gonna tell you right now, quietly, whisper it, because I might try to get more money down after this segment. I think Jalen Brown's gonna win finals MVP. He would be my bet to win it. But right now he's in third. He's in third. He was one of eleven after the first quarter uh, in game two, so he needs a bounce back game. Number two is obviously Tatum. Now I understand Kevin Wilds is very disappointed that Jason Tatum is not having the Wilt Chamberlain 1962 season, where he averaged 50 points, 26 rebounds on 48 minutes per game. He's not doing that. However. His raw numbers are not terrible. His shooting percentage is obviously terrible because of the three for 17. Here is what's working against Tatum. He cannot afford one more awful game. You're only allowed to have two awful games and win finals MVP if you're Kawhi Leonard and you hold LeBron James to 60% shooting on 30 points per game. Otherwise, not allowed. Or I guess Andre Iguodala and you hold LeBron James to 36, 13, and 9. Usually, you can't have two bad games when finals MVP. Tatum's use is up. Number one's obviously Steph Curry. He's been the best player in the finals so far. And Brew, I know what you're thinking. Nick, but you picked the, you're, you're picking the Celtics. I will stay consistent with this, even though part of this will really grind my gears, as they say. If Steph, after being the first unanimous MVP ever, when LeBron should have been unanimous in 2013, if Steph is the first modern player on a losing team to win finals MVP, but that's on the board. It's on the board that Steph continues to average around 32 per game, that there is no Celtic that distinguishes themselves as the outstanding player. It's more of a collective effort, and that Steph deserves this finals MVP in a losing effort if this thing goes six or seven. There's your current MVP ladder. I think everyone agrees right now, Steph's the leader. Okay, uh, first of all, uh, love that you got Wiggins on there. You're coming around, my friend. You are coming around. I'm not around. coming around. I'm a just right, a secondly, <laughs> secondly, well, look, I think I, I got to put Brown ahead of Tatum. I got to switch them. You, you got them right Ooh. in that they're close. But look, Jalen Brown has more points, more rebounds, better field goal percentage, and his big game 
was impactful in that they won. A great comeback. Uh, everybody talking about Derek White and Horford with the threes. You saw who started that comeback, and it was Jalen Brown. So I would have switched him and Tatum. But to your Steph point, all right, uh, first of all, Nick, I am not like an absolute 100% stickler for there's no way a guy can ever win it on a losing team, right? Oh. I mean, if it's a seven, it has to be, oh. I, it has to be, it has to be like a seven-game series. It, it has to be, the guy has to be phenomenal, not just great. He has to be like incredible. And then no one on the winning team would distinguish themselves. Like they all kind of play the same and they're all just pretty good. That's yeah. like the only situation that I would even really strongly consider it. And I don't think we are in that situation. Steph is playing well, there's no doubt. I thought he was great as, as I said yesterday in game two. But game one, he went scoreless in the last six minutes as his team's being outscored 20 to five. He's shooting 45% from the field. He's certainly the best player in the series and has been to this point, but he hasn't been so great that I would say in a losing effort, he should be the MVP. And secondly, to your point, let me stick up for LeBron James. You said it, Nick, you are big on precedent, right? When it came to all NBA voting, yeah. You were like, no, you can't have two centers. Absolutely not. The precedent's been set with Kareem and Olajuwon and Shaq and all those guys. And it's a good point. Even though I didn't listen to it, it's a good point. Uh, and then you had the same thing with the MVP. You didn't like Jokic being back-to-back -back just because yeah. of the history. So yeah. now I agree. Look, if Steph were to get the finals MVP and they lost this year. My goodness. It just wouldn't be fair. It just wouldn't be fair. LeBron oh. obviously would have an He's argument from 2015. Boy. Some other players might have arguments, but LeBron, then LeBron would have been like, look, I should have been the unanimous MVP in 2013. In 2013. Gary my man Washburn. Gary Washburn. Shout out we'll Gary. Yeah, shout out Not to shout my, out. my man. Shout Carmelo. He voted for Carmelo Anthony. All right. <laughs> But, and, and LeBron shouldn't have been the first, right? Let's face it, there could have been other unanimous yeah. MVPs before that. But LeBron could say, man, I, he would think it's favoritism. They giving this little light-skinned dude the, the unanimous MVP before me. They're giving him the finals MVP when I could have got it a few years ago. Yeah. So, no, I, Nick, I don't, the precedent's been set. Barring oh. something incredible or crazy, the finals MVP has to come from the winning I, team. From the winning Just team. very interesting. I, I, I see Wilds, I see a little crack in Bruce, because Bruce said one player's got to be outstanding. No one else has to distinguish themselves. It has to go seven games. Hmm. Sounds like Jimmy Butler in the Eastern Conference Finals when I said he should have been finals MVP and Bruce was just apple. No, he about had, just he had three bad something games. to think about. I but he had four great ones. I had four great ones. All right, Wilds, go ahead. And Tatum was great. Let me address this losing finals MVP thing. I do not care if Steph Curry averages 100 points from here on out. Literally averages 100 points. Well, that sounds And the Warriors lose. You cannot give him 
Finals MVP. And here's just my, my metaphor that you will, after I say this, you'll be like, meh, right again, Wilds. If you went to the best restaurant in the world, in the world, have the bread. This is the best bread I've ever tasted. You have your appetizer. Oh my God, this is the best appetizer I've ever tasted. You have your main course, best main course you've ever had in your life. It's the best restaurant in the world, 100 points a game. And then finally, oh, here comes the gelato. Oh, it's just gonna be the, the final palate cleansing gelato. And you have a scoop and then you're like, what's that? And you pull a long hair out of your mouth. No. That's ah, the finals loss. The meal is ruined. It doesn't matter what happened. That long hair, it's gross. No. It generally, no, I'm sorry, but I had to go there. We're, we're saying ridiculous no, things. Awful. I had to prove that point. That is terrible. Sorry, but it's true. I, I, I want to let you make your point. Awful. That's not the analogy. The analogy is you have this amazing meal because the restaurant is Steph Curry in this. It would have been the restaurant's fault that you had the hair in your food. So the analogy is you have this amazing yeah. meal, all those things, Stop and then at the end it. of the meal, someone comes in and robs the place. And you're like, man, that kind of <laughs> ruined the night. It's not the restaurant's fault. Unless you're gonna say you should have better security. That's the guy's fault. You yeah, can't well, put it in your review. Well, unbelievable beef Wellington. However, unfortunately, I was stuck, you know, it, it, giving a deposition the, all night. That's not their fault. That's a bad, you, you run you know these what? analogies by Colin. Listen, all I, of us I, don't I, do an I'm stuck in a freezer with risky. duct tape around my mouth. It wasn't a great meal. Yeah. In any event, okay. a Draymond <laughs> needs to be on here. Okay, Draymond needs to be on. Two of the last seven finals MVPs have been kind of eye test MVPs. Kawhi with the Spurs and Andre Iguodala. Like, man, you know what? Controlled the game more than the stats kind of showed. Now, Draymond's okay. averaging uh, six, eight, and six. I don't think that's going to get the job done. Mr. Triple but I think that he obviously was the story in game two Triple through the single. entire team off by getting to, into literally every single guy's head. So I think Draymond deserves a spot. He's about one sort of like uh, analytics Listen. paper that someone figures out how the team is playing well with, when Draymond, <laughs> you know, pushes Grant, tackles Grant Williams. Every tackle, the Celtics lose five points. If you can get a little bit of eye test and a little bit of analytics, and you got Draymond's media savvy on top, mm, deserves a spot in the ladder. Ooh. Listen, Bruce right that I'm big on precedent. The NBA has set the precedent. Modern NBA history, you can only win finals MVP averaging less than 18 points per game if it's you do it while holding LeBron to under 38 points per game. That's the only way. LeBron's not in the series. The only way you can be, have enough of an impact on defense, like, well, he did hold LeBron to 35 and 10, so I guess he was the most impactful guy. There's not a guy on Boston like that, so Draymond's not going to be able to win. Not unless he has a game well, seven performance like in wild. 2016. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point, bro. It's a good uh, point. This was a thoroughly <laughs> gross segment, although the latter was fantastic. <laughs> Who's taking control of the NBA Finals tonight in game three? We're back after this. Go for it. And I didn't even Great eat the analogy. Start your morning now, brought to you by Midas. Tires, brakes, oil repairs. Request your appointment at Midas.com today. Game three of the NBA Finals tonight. Warriors, Celtics, we're all tied at a game apiece. So, we were just talking about it last segment. In game two, we saw Draymond toe the technical foul line, as he so delicately does. Almost got ejected. Keyword there being almost... What happens tonight? Nick, do you think the Celtics 
should bait Dre into taking an early tech tonight? Absolutely, 100% yes. And I know people Ooh, might say this sounds okay. ridiculous. I, Jeff Van Gundy said something very interesting the other day. And he said that the Celtics need to make the decision as a team before the game. Either we are ignoring Draymond Green entirely or every time he barks, we are going chest to chest with him. We are instigating with him. We are trying to get him in trouble early. You must choose one of those two lanes. And I got to thinking about it, Wilds, and I'm like, I think Jeff's right. And I think lane one is not an option. So I'll tell a very quick story from a few years ago. Uh, my wife and I were doing a project, about to start a project. And right before the project started, I did something that really annoyed her. And I could tell from the very beginning, like, oh, boy, this ain't going to go well for me. Like every little, little, you know, biting at me, biting at me. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it and keep going. And about eight minutes into it, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to ignore it. Instead, going the other way. I'm just going to bark back and have the project over. We're going to have to do this another day because it ain't happening like too much. The Celtics can pretend they're going to be able to ignore Draymond Green. They're not. They're just going to ignore him for a short period of time and then go with option two. Option two is the best option. Start Grant Williams. Have Grant Williams at opening tip. Start grabbing on him. Start pushing on him. And if Grant Williams gets a technical, so be it. I don't think Draymond will be able to control himself. And Wilds, I don't think the refs are going to give him the leeway they have given him in years in games past. I think the refs, because of his comments after game two, are going to have him on technical two leash, the same as technical one. I think if they try to bait him, Draymond will get kicked out tonight. I truly believe that. Okay. I mean, I have so, I have so many questions about this take. One, the mysterious project. <laughs> I don't know if it exists. And hanging why you pictures. won't tell us what the project is. We're hanging pictures. Okay. Hanging I don't pictures. believe you. I'm just going to say, I don't know that's if that's true. Okay. I think it was one of your... I think it was one of it's the Lego things that you bought, like a 10,000-piece Lego. No, I do those on my own. Recruited I do those on my own. Okay. No, 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 no. Nobody's allowed to do with those. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, I, look, look, it's a strategy. I don't think it would work because I think Draymond would expect it. Not only because it's part of the new media. He supports me, also a member of the new media. He's got Draymond on the finals MVP ladder, and he's watching the show so he knows what you're up to. But I also think he's kind of been there before. He knows where he is. He knows, like, what he's doing and what the repercussions of him basically telling the refs, like, yeah, I got deferential treatment. I deserve it. I think he knows what's going to come next, that he, he knows that the refs will be looking for him. So because of that, Broussard, I do not expect him to be able to treat Jalen Brown like an ottoman and put your feet up. I don't, also don't think you're able to just, you know, pancake Grant Williams. I don't think you're going, to be able, you're going to be allowed to do either of those things. I think Draymond's going to play a clean game, maybe talk a little bit, a little less to the refs, more to the players, but I don't think this, that strategy will work for the Celtics because Draymond will expect it. Well, I agree with you, Wilds, in that I think Draymond is too smart for that. It sounds nice, Nick, but I do think Draymond is too smart. And, and Wilds hit it on the head. He knows what his comments will you lead to he knows the refs might be looking at him and his mental game is strong all right i get it sometimes he gets out of control but i do think he understands what's going on and especially after what he did in 2016 which may have cost him a series 
He doesn't want to do something like that. So I, I do think if they he come at he... him and he rec and he recognizes, oh, they're trying to bait me. I'm the mental. I'm the guy that plays the mental games. I think you're wrong. I'm the guy that gets in your head. You're not getting in my That's head. Right. I think he would go the other way. I think he would flip it on him. But more importantly, here's the thing, Nick, and I'll tell you guys a story. Back when Earl Boykins, five foot, five inches tall, was in the NBA, you can even say Muggsy Bogues, five, three, when he was in the league. And they would play. A lot of people would say, why don't you just post them up? And sometimes teams would try to post them up. And then I talked to some coaches and they were like, well, you, you, don't, you don't just post those guys up because it takes you out of your game. If we send our six-foot point guard down on the block to post yes. up Earl Boykins just because he's got half a foot on him, that's not his game. And now we're not playing our game. Nick, this is not the Celtics game. I it is Grant Williams' if something game. Happens, if, if, if something happens like like Jalen Brown and, and uh, Draymond, when they just got into it, sure, try to egg him on a little bit and see if you can get him out of there. But in general, to go out there during the course of the game and grab and mess around with him, I don't think any of these Celtics are built that way. Marcus Smart, as tough and feisty as he is, I don't think that's him. They said it. They said, no, that's not us. We just played a game. We're not worried about Draymond. I, I think if they try to do this, Nick, it could get them off of their mental okay. game and it could be disastrous. Except for the fact the most annoying player in the league is Draymond. The second most annoying is Grant Williams. Right. Grant Williams is in Bucks huddles uh, in the or the heat huddle the previous ah. round. Grant Williams is irritating Ime Udoka, his own coach during the games. Grant Williams is that guy. He's modeled himself after Draymond Green in that regard. That's first of all. Second of all is this. You guys are arguing that Draymond Green has a level of self-control that we have not seen him demonstrate. When he got kicked out of the game against Memphis, he was unhinged afterwards. In game two, after already getting a technical foul, he could, when the game was still in the balance, he could not help himself from propping his legs up on, was it on Jalen Brown, like he was an Ottoman, and then going chest to chest with him and trying to pull his shorts down. He can't help himself. And at this point in his career, Wilds, he's, you ca just called him a moment ago the most impactful guy in game two. The only way he is impactful is by adding this nonsense. So this idea that Draymond is going to be a measured, calm guy, if he is that, he's not that good. He is, he is great at on-ball defense. He's not a great help defender anymore. In game one, most of those fourth quarter threes were Draymond not getting out there to help. He is a good passer, but he's such a non-existent shooter that he, he's a net zero to me on offense. And so he's a great on-ball defender, and he is a great irritant. He just bothers the crap out of you, whether you're playing against him or betting against him or rooting against him. That's what he's amazing at. I think those comments have, have flipped it 
to where now he has all playoffs long wilds. This isn't just a, a reaction game two. You know I've been talking about it for three weeks, if not longer. He has been getting these early texts and then giving getting license to act a fool. He's been doing it these playoffs and previous playoffs. I think that he has not shown the ability to ratchet it down. I think if the if the I think the Celtics could bait him early with Grant Williams, and I think it would demonstrably impact his his ability to impact the game. So uh, look, I think that he might deliver some playoff fouls and see where the tone is, and see like, all right, how how much stuff am I getting away with? What it, what's a foul, what would have been a foul in a regular season game might not be a foul in the playoffs, and maybe he'll be able to gauge. The one thing I could see happening, Broussard, I want your take on this is I could see the dreaded, ah, double tech. And if that rears its head, I I think it's bad for the game. Where referees don't know what to do. And it's like, ah, two guys get attacked. When Grant Williams, if Grant Williams initiated something and Draymond gets caught up in it. It's like, because we've seen that all year. Something happens. The other guy's just kind of involved. Ah, both tech. We can't make a decision. It just seems fair. Both techs, let's keep playing. I could see that happening, Rosario. Look, you know, the the bottom line is this. And here's the moral of this story, the moral of this segment. I knew it. Nick is scared to death. No, I knew it. Nick is coming up with all types of antics, all types of strategies. Uh, You know what? Let's turn off the air conditioning in their locker room. Let's (laughs) turn the the heat way up. You know, cold showers. There will be no hot water in the Golden State (laughs) locker room. You you know your boys are toast, Nick. You should have stayed with me and the Warriors, and now you're looking for everything. I think he's getting thrown out of one of these games. I think he's getting thrown out you of one of these out. games. You're hoping. Baked into my you're hoping. No, uh, we'll oh, see. Oh, it's going to be we'll fun see. tomorrow. Game three and then, tonight. There won't be an we'll olive branch, my man. No olive right branch. Right <laughs>